we named, uh, uh, there was a young soldier here at Fort Hood with me that we played softball together. We were not even in the same unit ever, blah, blah, but we just hung out together because we played softball kind of in the same friendship kind of group. Uh, his name was LeVon Ritter. He was a sergeant at third, in 3rd ACR at the time. Got into a motorcycle accident and ended up dying in the hospital a couple days later after the surgery and everything. Actually, the, the hospital actually screwed up and uh, he didn't die from his injuries. He died from lack of care is what I like to call it just because somebody wasn't paying attention to what they're supposed to be paying attention Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former Army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, all of you amazing abundant leaders? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live your life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. And make no mistake about it, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting more and having more. You got to keep it in perspective, though. You know, having more relationships, having more quality relationships, collecting experiences over things, having more knowledge, more wisdom, and having more resources. Nothing wrong with that either. The more resources you have, the more you can do for yourself, your community, and others. Speaking of having things and doing things for others, I want to afford you the opportunity right up front to be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with everyone you come in contact with. Yeah, everyone. Don't discriminate. You never know who needs these conversations. You never know who needs a lift up. You never know who is going to get something out of each and every one of these 400 and 404 conversations at this point. Absolutely amazing people doing amazing things in the world and today's guest is absolutely no different. Now our guest today is is really kind of a really cool story because we got connected online or should I say reconnected in a Facebook group I believe it was. We got to talking, we got on a phone call, got to talking to each other, kind of find out we served with each other in the army, both as in the medical field at Fort, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, we were both in uh, 1st Med Brigade, and we sat in the same meetings, sat in the same rooms, knew each other by face, and, and I recognized the name. I just didn't put a face to the name until we actually started talking. And that, I think I just think that's really cool. Very small world, uh, and we served together quite a few years ago at this point. And as you can tell from the title of this conversation, the title of this episode, we do talk about some, some stuff that you know, may hurt some people's feelings because that's just kind of who we are. And and our intention, my intention, is definitely never to hurt anybody's feelings. It's always the intention to help better somebody's life in one way or another. Now, I'm generally not in the practice of giving unsolicited advice. I generally ask somebody, would you care for some advice on this topic? Or, Are you asking me? Are you sharing your your story? Are you sharing your comments? Are you venting to me just because you want to vent? Or are you actually looking for some advice? And if you are looking for some advice, I want you to understand that what you hear is based off of my personal experience. And that's much of what 
the Men of Abundance podcast is about. It's based off of my personal experiences, and I didn't want it to be all about me. I didn't want it to be just my experiences, although I have many amazing experiences and many heart-wrenching experiences, many very difficult experiences in my 52 years of life. But there are other people out there in the world that have even more amazing experiences and they're willing to come here and share these experiences with others, share these experiences with you. So be abundant in your actions, pay it forward, and share these experiences and conversations with others as well. Now, before I introduce our featured guest today and get into our conversation, I want to share with you something that I built specifically for you, specifically if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, thinking about becoming a business owner or entrepreneur, and especially if you are a business consultant, business coach, or any other kind of consultant or coach out there. I built this because I'm constantly being asked via phone, email, Facebook, LinkedIn. People are always asking, what do I do and how do I do it? And I didn't really go into all that. I just really shared on this site specific tools and services that I use in my own business almost every single day, as well as business tools and services that I use to help other businesses grow their business. So if you're interested in that or you know anybody who might be interested in specific tools that will help you save time and money in your business, then go to wallyrecommends.com. The link will be in the show notes, but that's pretty simple. Go to wallyrecommends.com, check that out, and I've got a video up there that explains what I do with each one of those tools, and then I've got demos for each one of the different uh, tools that I use right there on that site. So this way, when anybody asks me that specific question, it's so much easier for me to just share wallyrecommends.com, and they can go there and check it out and get all the information they want, and I keep it updated based on any new tools that I might implement or some that I get rid of. Now it's finally time to introduce our featured guest. Our featured guest is John Valentine. He was born at Great Lakes Naval Hospital in Chicago. He grew up a Navy brat until he was 19. Then he joined the U.S. Army. He felt he could not do the ship experience. Sorry, Dad. Anyway, he ended up serving 20 years in the U.S. Army, making the rank of Sergeant First Class. He deployed six times and served in Bosnia, Kuwait, Afghanistan, and Iraq. He's a huge Chicago Cubs fan and Bears fan, as I'm sure you can imagine. And he's also a huge Iron Man fan. He loves the Marvel movies and loves spending time watching movies with his family. He feels it's the best time spent with family and to laugh. Now, since I personally know John, I will tell you that this is one busy individual. And literally everything that he does is for someone else. I personally don't know that the man does anything for himself. He's got an amazing nonprofit serving veterans, active duty military, and family members in the Fort Hood area. He's got a couple other businesses that we'll talk about, and he's constantly helping other business owners and other people in one way or another. I see him all over in multiple Facebook groups, always providing value, always willing to give up his time, and I just don't personally know how he does it. So without further ado, Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to John Valentine. John, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Wally. How are you, bro? 
Man, I am raring to go. We're finally getting this conversation underway and recorded to send out to all the folks out there. Where are you at in the world? I am in central Texas. I'm right near Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas. So that's where I'm out of right there. Mm -mm -mm. I got to tell you, man, I know we had this conversation before. Of all my duty stations, that was the least favorite location. But I got to tell you, we had some of the best neighbors there yeah, the people here are great. I would say it's a challenge for any kind of young soldier or, or young couple that come down here because there's there's not a, a lot to do in the nightlife kind of aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot more now than there was 10 years ago, but it's not a city. You know what I mean? It's, it's a central mm-hmm. world kind of area, so it, it takes a little adjusting. It's great for families, though. It's great neighborhoods. Great people live here. Just uh, it's a little challenging from the social side of the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, and I was there, um, goodness, 2008, 9, and 10. And Maybe. we drove through there last summer, and it's grown quite a bit in just the last couple of years, last 10 years. Yeah, it has. It's grown immensely. I mean, back the first time I came through here, there was like on 190, which is the main road that goes through the middle of this area, there was like Applebee's, a few gas stations, the mall, mm-hmm. a few restaurants. And then in 2000, there's like strip malls now, all kinds of them, but everything's expanded. So, I mean, Harker Heights has blown up. Like Harker Heights side of town has really taken off. There's another movie theater. There's like four movie theaters now. Um, so it's growing. I mean, it's one of the largest growing cities in Texas every year because Fort Hood's right here. So they keep expanding and businesses keep coming down here because they know they have a controlled, you know, rotating environment here that they know they can get some, some business going. So it's not horrible, but it's not, I wouldn't call it, if I was 25 years old, I probably wouldn't want to get stationed here. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. of the, you know, it, it's not Austin. It's not San Antonio. It's not Dallas. It's not, you don't have that kind of lifestyle after you get off work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of well, the good thing is, is Austin's only an hour away, but the bad yeah. thing is Austin's only an hour away. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know what I'm saying, right? You know, although they have done improvements to 195 now, which is what takes you to Austin really through clean. So mm. they've widened the roads and made it a lot safer because soldiers are getting a lot of accidents on mm. there driving back from Austin on 6th Street and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, man. I remember very well. I lived out in Harker Heights for the first year, but then had to move closer to Fort Hood since I was a first sergeant. And I, I basically lived on Fort Hood. I mean, not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dealing with soldiers you know first yeah. member brigade man yeah, where we were at we were together at Hoo-lee-wee. anyhow well from the from the um about 15 days from the date of this conversation my son is in the process of uh PTSing from korea to fort hood so uh, i'll be back down there in the next uh, year or so to visit him at least and you and i gotta definitely hook up oh, yeah we'll definitely go get some to eat and talk yeah, yeah for sure for sure absolutely man so you know i like to start out more than we've already done so already with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today, John? I, I just, you know, I woke up this morning. That's a big deal. Um, and I actually, I'm, I'm just, I have a lot of gratitude for the people in, in this community that I serve and just trying to build something stronger here that we can, you know, we can do better in our community and make our lives here better. So I'm very grateful that I live in a community where people really want to make that effort. So it's good for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you are doing some absolutely amazing things there at Fort Hood. You're a very busy man. You got a lot of stuff going on. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. But before we do, I really like to get to know the man behind the abundance. Mm -hmm. So if you would, how would you describe yourself? Um, I would describe myself as a very uh, honest but blunt uh, type of person who's got a a heart to help people and wants wants people to be stronger and better together. 
I'm no nonsense. Uh, I, I can cut right to the bone and I do that a lot. And I actually overdo it sometimes because I just try to be bluntly honest with people. Um, I don't hold back. I'm one of those type of friends where if you really want the truth, you call me. If you don't really want the truth, you don't call me. Um, I, that's just who I am as far as, and, and that's the person I like that I like that I am because I know I'm not going to lie to somebody or be untruthful to them. I'm going to be honest with them, whether it hurts or not. Now, I'm also the type of person that's going to say, hey, man, I'm going to say something to you that might not, you might not take this right. So I want you to be, you know what I'm saying? I kind of preparatory everybody with it if I'm going to be something where I know it's going to have an impact on them. But, you know, I'm just the type of guy that just, I'm a no-nonsense type of guy. The military did that to me, I think. You know, it's about honesty and integrity and kind of living by those 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 seven values we live to as soldiers. You know, just kind of always kind of kept myself to that. Um, and I try to emulate those every day of my life, you know, those things, because that makes you what I feel it makes you the better person. So that's what I strive for. Absolutely. And I dig that. Uh, we've had yeah. this conversation before. Uh, it's the same that I did when I was in the military. Same I do for my boys is I tell them, look, man, you know, if I care about your feelings and I care about your well-being. But if I have to uh, care more about one or the other, it's going to be your well-being. I might hurt your feelings in the process. Yeah, my wife tells me all the time, I don't say sorry enough to my kids, right? I don't do what I'm saying. Hey, sometimes they don't need to hear sorry. Sometimes I need to really absorb what their father just told them and really look at the perspective of what I'm trying to get through to them. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually I'll end up saying, you know, I'll talk to them about what will happen in those conversations. But, you know, I'm not one of those guys that makes a lot of apologies. I mean, I apologize when I screw up. Don't get me wrong. But mm -hmm. I don't apologize for being direct and straightforward with people because that's what people need to hear because they need to understand. They need to take accountability for their decisions and their and what they're doing. And I know there's, there's got to be accountability for it. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, talking about accountability and things that we've screwed up along the way, uh, sometimes that touches on the point of my next question, which is that kick in the gut moment that we all have an opportunity to uh, experience and learn from if we're smart about it. If you would share with us a kick in the gut moment uh, that's happened in your life, whether it's personal business, whatever the case may be military. Um, and, you know, really make us feel that. And then we're going to unpack that a little bit and see what you learned from that. What are you doing with it? Well, I, I, I think the biggest kick in the gut for me, honestly, um, is the fact that I'm the person that I am. And then I hurt a lot of people in a sense that I affect my relationship with people sometimes because they're not ready for the type of person I am. Uh, so if I'm straightforward and direct with them, sometimes the, the results of that can be very negative. And, and not that I was trying to, you know, I'm not that I'm trying to emulate that or trying to make that the outcome, but that's the outcome a lot of times. So I get, I have to look at myself in the mirror a lot. So I, I do that a lot. Like, Hey, am I doing the right thing being that blunt or that honest? Am I being, am I being the right type of human being? Because if I'm impacting people that deeply, sometimes is it really the, the avenue I want to be on or the road I want to be on? So I do a lot of self-reflection. So I, 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 I guess I could count as a kick in the gut for me because it does hurt me. Like it does. I do get remorse that I hurt somebody that deep, but I also look at, I try to justify it by mind, like saying, well, but if I didn't say that to the person, they're never going to hear anybody else say it, you know, or they're not. Mm -hmm. But was it worth it in the end? Was it was it worth it? And I really I catch myself going, was it worth it? Should I have done that to my wife or to my mother or to that friend of mine or that colleague or that soldier that came in and asked me straight up? And did I impact that relationship to the point where I lost something from that relationship? So I guess a big thing for me is, you know, I risk relationships because I can be kind of. Um, 
straightforward that way. But I, I will say this, that I have, because of those kick-in-the-gut moments, I have learned to kind of temper it back a little bit where I'm not quite as – it doesn't come out as freely now. Now I actually stop and think in my head, okay, really, think about this for a second, Nick. Is this going to really change the relationship? Is it worth changing the relationship? Or do we really need to look at this a different way and kind of – so it has made me – that kick-in-the-gut kind of attitude has kind of made me step back and look at myself and how I want to project – the knowledge that I have and or the input that I might have on the person. So it's, it's a, it's a hard challenge for me, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest kick in the gut for me is that, you know, I've, I've really damaged some relationships because of my personality. So, and not that I did it intentionally, but it happens. So Right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it says a lot to who you are that you feel sometimes a bit of remorse or you reflect on that a little bit. Um, it says who you are. I, I've always followed the ideology that, as long as I feel my heart is in the right place, I'm not always going to give the best advice. I know that, and it's coming from my own personal experience, and it may not be the best advice for that person at that point in time right now. But as long as my heart's in the right place, I just feel I can't do or say the wrong thing. Um, I do, but (laughs) in my mind, I justify (laughs) it that way, right? Yeah, and I think that's you know that might be the first arm part of us, or the or the leadership part of us in the military, because you know the right thing has to be said in the end, like something to address this, to get it fixed, or to get it adjusted, or get it identified. Someone has to say it. You know what I mean? So you kind of feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I got to be the guy. I just got to. I try to teach myself a better way, so it doesn't come across so arrogant or so mm-hmm. friggin' you know demeaning to them or demoralizing them. I got to, hey, have you thought about this? I've tried a whole bunch of different tactics. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I try to make them kind of, I try to work it where they come up with what I want to say. I try to, I try to get them into that corner where they got to kind of say it themselves. And I go, see, I mean, I wanted to just say that to you, but see, I'm trying to get, you know, so it, it's yeah. hard, man. It's it hard is. being that guy, you know, it's hard being that and I, and you know, what makes it even harder is that people count on me to be that guy. Because mm-hmm. I know I got a lot of friends that will say, hey, man, you need to talk to my buddy because he's going to tell you like it is. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna, this guy's going to sit down and bring it. He's going to help you figure it out. But he's going to say things to you that are going to fucking hurt your feelings or, you know, it's going to check your manhood mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. But this is the guy you want to go to if you really want to find out the real what you need to be working on or what you need to do. This is the guy you got to go talk to because he's not going to – he doesn't sugarcoat shit. He just tells you. Yeah. And, you know – so I got a lot. Of, I have a lot of friends that use me as kind of their outlet, to, so they don't have to do it. They could send them to me or whatever. I end up doing it for them a lot of times. But, but that's kind of who I am in that role. You know, in that circle of my friends, that's who I am. That's the guy that they know is going to be the guy that's going to be. You know, there's a marriage problem or there's a whatever. They'll say, just go talk to Nick, man, because he'll tell you straight up. Yeah. And, and it, you know, better. it's effective because it's memorable. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that I follow quite a bit here recently is. Um, Oh goodness! Now I'm going to forget his name. Um, he's bar rescue. Um, goodness, oh, John Taffer. John Taffer. I knew it was another John. John Taffer, and I read his book too. And in his book, he's talking about you know you don't do not demean employees in front of the you know in front of guests or do not demean you know this that and the other. And, I'm, and then he, I was thinking it, and then he wrote, "Now I know you're thinking. Come on, John. I've seen bar rescue, and you demean people all day every day, but." It's a different situation, just like we have in the military and in certain situations, we don't have time to sit and sugarcoat it. We have to get to the point where John, he does that for effect. He does that to, because he's only got four or five days to turn this thing around and he's got to get some emotion out of these people. 
And I think a lot of us, a lot of men or, or leaders or people, even it could be women, anybody who does this, I think their intent, like you're saying, their heart is in the right place because I do it all the time. Like even at the charity, like I don't want to blow up in front of my volunteers or in front of my staff if somebody screws up. But sometimes somebody, somebody needs that little come to Jesus meeting like, hey, you screwed up so bad that I'm willing to do this in front of everybody. You know what I mean? So you need to understand how bad you screwed up or whatever. So it's hard, man. It, it, it's working with people is hard. <laughs> There's you know no mean? doubt and about the, that. The big theme of it, it's hard because you know you have in your mindset as the business owner or as a guy moving forward or the entrepreneur what you're doing, and then if somebody screws that flow up. There's an emotional response to that. And because mm -hmm. there's an emotional response to that, it makes it very challenging for you as a man or a woman that's leading that company or leading that organization to not react emotionally. So, mm -hmm. and I tell people all the time, I said, that's why, that's why I do a, a, the 10 second countdown kind of thing for everything I do now. It's pretty much give myself a moment to say, slow, slow down, think mm -hmm. this all the way through. What is the outcome you want from this? If it's just corrective behavior or whatever, then you need, you can come at this a different direction. You can say, Hey, I want to talk to you in my office in 10 minutes and then just let it go. Or you could lash out and fucking everybody, you make a scene or whatever, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's a challenging, it's a challenging way to look at it. You know what I mean? Because my gut tells me to just lash out because that's an emotional response versus mm -hmm. the logistical or the, or the logical response is slow down. Give yourself a minute to kind of cop because you're having an emotional response. So your heart rate's going up. You're at, you're, you know, all that, all the fluid in your body's just flooding and like all either might even be boiling. You know what I'm saying? But the point is slow down. So that's a lot of, a lot of things I talk about now with a lot of guys I talk to that are, that are young leaders in the army is like, instead of yelling at that soldier, take a second and think about what he really did. Yeah. He might've mm -hmm. screwed up, but it did in the big picture in the big scheme of things is really the end of the world. Yeah. And if it's not the end of the world, slow down and give them a chance to explain it or whatever and figure it out. But yeah, you can use yeah, it. As a and YouTube. I always looked at, I always took a second to look at my past and go, because <laughs> who was I back at that, at that age? <laughs> I was challenging okay. to say the least as well. Ah, man, I wish I'd have had any kind of leader when I was a young E5 or E6, when I was still in the, in the combat arms room that would have said, Hey man, take a second. No, cause they, they taught you just, just react and destroy. You know, mm -hmm. you just, you basically just, push-ups, whatever, you're just destroying that kid. You didn't give him a chance to explain. You just destroyed mm. him. Yeah. Um, you, did you happen to know or run into uh, Jack Clark, Command Sergeant Major Jack Clark? Yeah. He was a MEDCOM Sergeant Major for a while. He was my platoon sergeant in Panama, my first duty station. Nice. And uh, he ended up being my first sergeant. And um, he was a very, very good friend of mine. But he was the most – he's probably the best leader I've, I've ever worked with. And I'm not saying that. I don't say that lightly. This right. man was top-notch. But he was calm, collected. He really kept his cool. I, I don't think I ever saw that guy blow up. And we went through some stuff. Yeah. I've had, I've had one leader like that too myself. And he was, he was, uh, it was challenging for me because our uh, leadership style was very different. But he taught me so much because he never just, he, I never saw him get upset about anything. Like he would just, he would just talk to you about if you screwed up. Like whatever. He would just sit down and talk to you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Sergeant Major, how are you not pissed off? He goes, oh, I'm pissed. He goes, I'm, I'm extremely pissed, but I have to deal with this a certain way because I'm the Sergeant Major and I can't have soldiers thinking they can't come talk to me if they need to talk to me. I can't have that attitude. So mm -hmm. it's strange, man. I'm sorry. My wife's phone's in. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. 
Yep. Not worse. Not worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's what editing's for. Or just yeah. let it roll. That's how we roll, man. Yeah. Hey, yeah, dig it. We can sit in the wow, I know we've had some amazing. Yeah, man, uh, you've got some long talks, brother. But yeah, 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 for sure. So um, you know, so you enough enough is enough moment really with all of that talking about that is the fact that, you know, you really just kind of sit back and reflect on yourself and you know, see what the situation is because the situation always dictates how we're going to react and interact. And we're looking for the greater good too, as a business owner and as an organization, you know, organization manager or leader, we have to look at the greater good and not the individual thought process. And that doesn't ride well with everybody. Not everybody understands that. So it's, it's very valuable to be able to sit back and reflect on our experiences and look at the situation and try to do that, you know, count to 10 thing that really does work, quite frankly, or just go sit in the car or something, sit in the office or whatever it takes, man. So let's talk a little bit about now how you are personally paying it forward within your community, because you have got some amazing things going on. First off, you've got your spirits business, Sergeant Ryder spirits business, which in itself is a story completely in and of itself. I'd like to hear a little bit about that because I want to share that with the listeners out sure. there. Um, also tell us a little bit about when you get done with that, about operational phantom support. Yep. So Sergeant Ritter spirits. Now the big, the, the, the main line story to this is my nonprofit. You just mentioned operation phantom support. We named, uh, uh, there was a young soldier here at Fort hood with me that we played softball together. We were not even in the same unit ever, blah, blah, but we just hung out together because we played softball kind of in the same friendship kind of group. Uh, his name was LeVon Ritter. He was a sergeant at third, in 3rd ACR at the time. Got into a motorcycle accident and ended up dying in the hospital a couple days later after the surgery and everything. Actually, the, the hospital actually screwed up, and uh, he didn't die from his injuries. He died from lack of care is what I like to call it, just because somebody wasn't paying attention to what they were supposed to be paying attention. Anyway, mm-hmm. but when I opened the nonprofit, I, I named my thrift store. We named, we have a thrift store, so like a, a, a you know, like a goodwill kind of thing or a Salvation Army type of thing. We have the same type of thing where people can donate to us and then we sell stuff to raise money for the nonprofit in the thrift store. Well, we named the store after him to kind of keep his namesake going. And and he was a good friend of mine and we enjoyed, I enjoyed his company. He was a good kid. He was young, but he was a good kid. Uh, so running a nonprofit, you know, you got to come up with other ways to bring in funds. So I decided to start Sergeant Ritter Spirits, which is, a, and I have a buddy, a veteran buddy who has a distillery down in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I talked to him about it. I said, yep, it's going to cost about four or five grand to get your brand started, get the, get the vodka made, buy the bottles, get the labels, go to basically do everything. He says, it's going to give you about 500 bottles of liquor. It's going to cost you about four grand, but that's, that gets you in the starting point. And blah, blah, blah. so we built out the liquor. Um, we named the company Sergeant Ritter spirits because I wanted to tie in Levon into that, plus his family and his mother has a really a whole bunch of friends that own bars up in, in Iowa. They're from Iowa, uh, so they want to buy the liquor too. Da, 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 da. So it was a good way for me to generate some funds for my nonprofit, but also have a business now where I'm actually you know producing things that I can sell nationwide if I wanted to do that. So um, we started the vodka. We're going to have a vodka. We're going to have a whiskey. We're going to have a bourbon, and we're going to have a rum, and it's all going to be called Sergeant Ritter or whatever, and then everything will have its flavors or whatever. But that company basically, so all the revenue that comes from that, after I pay my employees from that, all the revenue, the excess revenue comes in, I give that to my charity. I donate it to my nonprofit so that it's another way for there's income coming into my nonprofit every month. Uh, we also started a coffee brand. So we have our own brand of coffee too. It's called Good Morning Sergeant Coffee. And that's run by Sergeant Ritter Spirits. So it's got the logo on and everything else. Um, so we sell coffee now. Uh, we got a few coffee houses here locally in Colleen that are buying our coffee for their, for their coffee shops. So we have that there. Uh, and we promote it, you know, coffee cups, the whole nine yards. So we do it all that way. Um, 
But Sergeant Ritter Spirits, I think, is going to be really exceptional later on, too, because now I, I kind of cut out my middleman. I used to have to have a wholesale guy. Well, now I just started a wholesale company. I'm actually literally just turning the paperwork into my attorneys today so they can finalize it and get my federal and state license done. So once I get that, then I can sell my own alcohol to the bars and restaurants and clubs or whatever, so I don't have to go through a middleman anymore. So I'm cutting out 40% of the profits I was making that I was losing because of the middle the middleman. Now I've got that all back. So, and plus... I'm going to carry it like six other brands of veteran-owned liquor that, that my distiller makes and, and really give them a really great deal on a price so they're not going to be over. They're not going to be run through the ringer like I was and they are. Uh, so I'm going to take care of them because I've already got contacts for specs and all the different liquor stores in Texas. So I'm already working all that out. But hopefully it'll grow into a pretty significant thing. And um, we're trying to get into Drizzle right now, which is that company that actually sells spirits countrywide, like they'll deliver it right to your house. Because state of Texas, we can't sell. We can't. I can't sell it online and ship it out of state. But if I get it in a drizzle, which is a company that does that, they'll do it for me. And all I gotta do is ship it to them, and they handle it all of it. I don't have to deal with it. Oh but, wow, uh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it's weird too. Because if you go into the, if you look at the country, there's a lot of states that don't allow to you to sell liquor and then ship it out of state, like ship it mm -hmm. somewhere. Like you can't sell it and ship it, which is I, it's asinine to me because. They're doing it for you know CBD and hemp, but they won't do it for yeah. alcohol. But I'm like, I didn't even consider that. I never even thought that that was a thing until the first time you and I had a conversation. Because I know people in California. Well, Dwayne Johnson, for instance, has his tequila, and oh, I was always wondering Calif why there's so much. Wine. Yeah, he's California. They California allows it. California yeah. allows it. See, I've already been to two of my congressmen and one of, and my one of my senators. Hey, listen, man, we need to relook this because why are you holding back Texas Texas businesses? from being able to sell our Texas-made, veteran-owned liquor in the state of Texas, and we can't sell it anywhere else out of state. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just asinine that we can't ship it. I can't bottle up and ship it. They go through, they say they're over 21, you know, the same thing the other states do. We can do the same rules. I don't have a problem with that. But we got to make it. So they're actually helping me trying to build out a new law, that, a Texas state law, that allows us to put it online where we can sell it from our websites and stuff like that so we can ship it and sell it. And stuff. Because that would quadruple my potential income because – then guys like you in Florida could order a bottle, I could ship it to you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because you want to support me. Um, yeah. I'm like, you guys let me sell my coffee and ship it out of state. Why can't I sell my liquor? You know what I'm saying? What? what, <laughs> I, what? Exactly. So, I it just doesn't make sense. It's a strange rule that they have here in Texas, but I think a lot of it was done just to kind of control the in, in and outbound of liquor that's leaving the state. But I'm like, bro, there's liquor. I order liquor all the time from California and get it in. I got orders because it's a funny thing. Because I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones was a pretty big show, uh, you know, and I was big into it. Well, they made a, a White Walkers bourbon that they made, right? This, this coming out in California made it. it. had the White Walker on it, all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I said, well, I want some of that. So I ordered like three bottles of it. And then I was giving it away. I, gave, I did it as a giveaway because I wasn't charging for it, but I did it as a giveaway, like a fundraiser mm -hmm. at, the, at my charity. So like everybody put in for a raffle. It was like a dollar per ticket or whatever. We put it in and then everybody, you know, and then somebody won the bottle, right? And it's like a, I think they're like 40 or 60 bucks I paid for the bottle, but you know, it's not a big deal how much I paid for it. But the thing is I, I was able to get it. And I'm like, why can't I do that? And that's when I started, started diving into it a little bit more. And then I went to my Congressman, Congressman Williams from my district and then another Congressman and then a Senator. Um, I'm like, Hey man. And I'm trying to get Senator Cruz on, which I actually reached out to his office the other day. I'm like, Hey man, we need some help with this. We're living here in Texas and I can't sell my liquor to people out of, out of state. Why wouldn't you want me to make profit off money mm -hmm. from people from out of our state? How would you not want that to happen? You know what I'm, saying? Yeah. I'm making money off other people from other states. Why would you guys not want that? So I'm like, yeah, I'm confused. So hopefully it'll it'll escalate into that, but it'll take it in. But then uh, all that running around comes back to my nonprofit operation, Fan Support, where we serve active military veterans and first responders uh, 
with uh, with how day to day needs and stuff like that. Um, so we do my college grip. Um, so we support between. 3,500 to 4,000 soldiers a month with just our food pantry alone. And then we have a free birthday cake program, Christmas toy program, backpack program for school, a car repair program, a tire replacement program, adult special needs program. So the conceptual way I look at it is this. I didn't really do it for the soldier or the veteran. I did it more for his, his or her family. So their family would have the things they need, life essential type things they need to have to make sure they're okay while the veteran or soldier's at work or whatever. Yeah, the soldier veteran can use it and they can be happy to use it, but I didn't do it for them because like you said, me and you were mm -hmm. both soldiers, right? I didn't, what, I mean, the company commander can pull me back in and out of the house and put me in the barracks and feed me and so he don't have to worry about me. But then I got my family out there that's struggling because I'm living in the barracks and I lose mm -hmm. my BAH, da, 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 you know, all that other stuff. I'm like, well, what can we do to help that situation? So that's kind of why, but plus I grew up as a military dependent. So I understood how hard it was to be a military dependent you know, growing up all the way to when I was 19 years old, and then I went in the Army. So I kind of had the concept of how hard it is on these spouses to raise these kids and take care of those kids while the husband's out or this other, the spouse is out. I shouldn't say husband, but it, from my point of view, it's husband because my mom and dad. But there could be a female soldier out there, like her husband staying home with the kids. You know, but he's the one. So I'm like, I got to do something, man, because this is just – I mean, soldiers don't make a lot. I actually literally just had this breakdown. Um I pulled it out here somewhere. I had it here somewhere. But uh, basically, I did a whole breakdown of what a soldier makes. If you pay them by the hour, if you pay them by the day, I, I had it somewhere over here. But because I was, I'm doing a whole, whole, yeah, here it is. I'm doing like a whole report that I'm sending up to my congressman saying, look, you know, an E1 makes $2.33 an hour if he worked a normal 40-hour scheduled work week. That's how much he makes, $2.33. If he gets paid 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He only makes $2.33 mm -hmm. an hour for 24 hours because he makes $56 a day. And I have it all broken down all the way E1 to E5 just to show how hard it is for a young soldier to really make it. And if you can really conceptualize how much they make versus, you know, what people say, oh, soldier overpaid. Mm -hmm. No, we're not. But remember, we get paid 24-7, right. not, not 40 hours a week. So you have to break it down 24 hours a day, seven days a week because we're on duty whenever. We pull duty with 24-hour duty. What civilian job do you know that pulls twenty four hour duty? I mean, they don't they don't do that stuff like right. that. They're, they're and it used to be like that, that so. it used to be that our, our housing was all basically paid for. Um, it came out of BH, but now we get paid that, and then it gets taken out. And it was all for tax purposes. Yeah. It was all for you know various reasons. Yeah. Well, that too. When they mm -hmm. switched over to civilians are running housing now, they had to show instead of the army having to pay the civilians. Now they put the money back in our pockets and then we had to pay them to live right. on base. So we had to set the allotment up or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and that was because they civilianized housing, which was, I think, mm -hmm. catastrophically wrong. But that's just me. Well, um, I agree with that too. But yeah, so the nonprofit, we're busy. We stay busy. We do a lot for soldiers and veterans in this community. Like we just linked up. We actually literally, this Saturday, we just put a roof uh, on a veteran's house. It's a veteran that is running the house and a veteran that owns the house, but the veteran that owns the house is like 90, 89 years old and she's like in a senior's home and she's like, you know, she's not all there anymore. Um, and the home, basically their mortgage, basically their, pay, their rent pays the mortgage on the house or whatever because she took out a second mortgage on it. So she didn't have the money to, to even mm -hmm. boot the deposit to get the roof fixed. So a buddy of mine that I met years ago, he, used, he lives on that block. He came and said, hey, man, I want to partner up with you because I want to be able to fix this vet's house. I'm tired of driving by and looking at tarps on the roof. There was literally tarps on the roof, like every five feet. 
so they replaced the roof. It was about an eight or ten thousand dollar job, and he he put all the money up himself. You know, he paid for everything, did everything himself. And now we're going to start raising money to do it and build a program out for it. But he he literally fixes this vet, and it's a black female veteran too. So and that just happened to be who it was. But the point was, with everything going on in the world right now, and all these issues with our unity and community kind of attitude about Black Lives Matters and all the other stuff. You know, like I told the people, I said, look, this is about us coming together and being unified in this community. Not, it doesn't matter what color she is, what color I am. What matters is she lives here, her house is falling apart, and we got people that can fix yeah. it. So let's go fix it because it's going to make her family stronger, which is going to make our community stronger, which is going to unify all of us and make everybody stronger. And she's going to look at me now and go, hey, yeah, good. doesn't matter what my skin color was. She looks at me like she's, uh, he's a friend. He's a brother now because he took care of me and my family. Mm -hmm. And that's the attitude we need to have in our communities is that no matter what, we're all there. So from the nonprofit side, that's the biggest thing for me that gives my heart, you know, it makes me feel good when I go home at night now, you know, I can feel good about because I've had the corporate jobs, I've had the other jobs and that shit just sucked. You know what I mean? Because I mean, they, nobody cared about you there. They're just, it's just about the job. It's about the, the outcomes of your, you know, your mission, your job you had. Whereas doing the job like this, I go home satisfied every day because I know I help a lot of people and a lot of people are grateful. So yeah, absolutely. And I'm feel. grateful. And I thank you very much because you and I both know those stories of um, being down range or somebody deployed or whatever. And the, and they took the checkbook yeah. with them and they left the family back, back yeah. home with no funds with and, nothing. you know, minimal access to anything. It's like, it just blows your mind, man. You hear that every I literally hear that every month, Wally. A female, so a female dependent comes in and says, "Hey, my husband is. He only puts like two hundred fifty dollars a week in my account to use for whatever for groceries and all such shit." I'm like, "What? Yeah. I'm like, what? I mean, my, my my instinct as an NCO is I need to call that first yeah. one. Yeah. What yeah. the what the hell over? But I'm like, all right, sweetheart. So then I just make sure she's got food. I make sure mm -hmm. she's got everything she needs to make sure the two fifty bucks she gets now, she doesn't have to use it on food. She can use it for the things that her and her kids need, other stuff and stuff like that. So that's what we do. But it's great. The army still like that. They're still so dreaded that control their spouse like that. That don't give them any yeah, kind of more education access or control. She didn't even have a debit card, bro. She didn't even have a bank. We need card. to educate these guys. That's just dirty. She man. That's no way card. to take care of a family, at all. That that's no, it isn't. But again, and I'll guarantee you that that kid came no from education. a broken family or some kind of crib where the father mm -hmm. was kind of abusive or whatever. Yeah, or no, not educated. And that's yeah. just how the only way he knows how to do it. I'm not blaming him either because yeah. that might be the only way. He and knows I don't, how to do when it. I say no education, I don't mean traditional education. So, I just mean he's he had no example. Yeah. He had a poor example, yeah. and it just trickles down. And it, we just need yeah. to educate these guys on men and women on how to handle a family, how to manage a family, and how to take care of a family. It's ridiculous. So, man, thanks for sharing that, and thanks again so much for all that you do. It's absolutely. Um, Amazing. I mean, it wasn't there when I was there. Obviously, you were, you and I were still on active duty at the time when I was there, um, ten years ago. Yeah. But yeah. thanks, man. Yeah. Bottom of my heart, yeah. seriously. Retired. Yeah. I retired. 2010. <laughs> so it was right after that. It was right after I got back from Iraq and went back to Hawaii. Excellent, man. So yeah. we are at the point where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Excellent. So share one yes, to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. I think the biggest thing for anybody that want is just get out in your community, local community. Don't, don't look for a nonprofit or an organization or look in your community for something to get involved with. I don't care if it's just going out and picking up trash in the park, but reach out to your chamber of commerce, reach out to your organizations in your area where you live and just see if there's something you can do to make your community stronger. I mean, that's, 
that's what I push now with a lot of the veterans that live in my community. It's like, just get off your ass mm -hmm. and do something, excuse my language, but just get off your butt and do something that's going to make an impact on the community so people can see you differently. People can see you as somebody who cares. People can see you as a person that's part of this community that actually gives us, you know, cares about it enough that they're willing to get up and even go pick up trash in the park or paint the park or whatever. But anybody who, and, or pick up a battle buddy, you know, pick up somebody who might be struggling a little bit now, make, you know, do something for them and help them. Maybe go, you know, help them at their house, put a fence up or do whatever, but do something to help that's going to make you feel good for what you're doing, but also make you understand that mm -hmm. all that stuff is there. So it's available to you where you're at. Yeah, you take just gotta go out and environment. look. That's one thing that I've instilled in my boys. They used to ask me for many years, even after I retired, if it was in my path, a piece of trash or something like that, I'm not, didn't didn't go out of my way, but yeah, if it's in my path, I pick it up, I put it in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's garbage. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, that's it. what we do, man. I'm not going to walk over it and leave it there. You know, yeah, so they right. do that. Yeah, so my kids go, hey, why'd you pick that up? I said, because it's litter and it's mm -hmm. in our community and it shouldn't be there. So let's pick it up, throw it away. So my kids, like literally when my kids grow, we kind of make it a game now. Who's going to have the most mm -hmm. trash by the time we get to wherever we're walking to to throw it, to throw it in the garbage? So, I mean, and that makes me feel good that my kids saw me doing it and they're like, they want to be like me and they want to make sure that it's community's cleaner and they, they, and it, we make a joke out of it too. But the point is, it, it's yeah. something that now as a family, we all do it. We all pick up and we don't, no matter where it is in the front, our front front yard, or if we're walking down by my office or whatever, we see something. We pick it up and bring it in, throw it in the trash yeah. because it makes our community. It's a very fun. small gesture, so a and deal. the gesture works either way. If you just walk right over it, then everybody else says, "Ah, oh, it's all good." You know, just let's just trash our let's just trash our environment. Yeah, because trust me. Oh, for trust sure. Trust me, somebody's 100%. watching you. Always. That's why I tell my kids all the time. Every somebody, I don't care if they're across the street in their office building, they might be looking out the window, and they saw you walk right past that piece of trash and didn't pick it up. So you basically spit on the community like it don't matter. So I just walk past it versus they see you pick it up. They might go, wow, that's pretty cool. They, they might do the same thing. I mean, so it has a big, big impact. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it has a huge impact. So, you know, so, yeah. what, uh, you're, you're hella busy, man, just crazy busy. What rituals do you have throughout your day that make the biggest impact in your life? Or habits or anything of that nature? Biggest impact. I honestly, you know, thinking about that for a minute, um, that's a tough one because, I mean, there's so much that I do. Um, wow. I think for me, it's just I wake up with the attitude that I'm going to help some people today kind of attitude. Like, I'm going to do something to make an impact on where I live. I'm going to help. Like, I literally get phone calls. I, I had phone calls this morning about – you know, hey, John, can you know, hey, Nick, can you do that? Yeah, we can do that. We can work with you. So, I mean, for me, I just try to wake up with the right attitude every morning. You know, I, I wake up in pain. I have nightmares and all stuff, you know, as a soldier, we do that. But after, now that I've gotten so used to that, my, that's how my, I wake up and I got to give myself a minute to kind of gather my thought. But then I think of myself because I'm looking in the mirror. I, I'm a big guy with this, Wally. This is what I do. The mirror in my, my bathroom, me and my wife have one of those big giant, you know, mirrors. And I take my little dry, my dry erase marker, my little crayon pen, and I write everything that I want to do. Like before I go to bed at night, I write that into my mirror in the morning. Like what I got to do, what what I want to accomplish, and how do I want the, the day to end. And I see that every morning when I get to brush my teeth. And it kind of gets my mind going in the right direction. Like, okay, you got to, like this morning, podcast with Wally. That was on the front top, like number two. You know, da -da. And then it was check your email, you know, did get make sure you're answering emails, stuff like that. But it goes, I go through a list every day. So every night, like, and then after I read it all, 
I wipe it off, and when I come in in the evening before I go to bed and I brush my teeth, I do it in the, ne the next day list because I look at my counter and I start building my list so that I can prepare myself for day. It might be redundant. It might be silly, but for me and my, my wife does the same thing on her side. Hey, and I tell her to do stuff like she battles some depression, right? So I tell her to tell herself every morning, hey, you're a good person. You're going to have a good day. You know, start off that way and then get down to what you're going to do for work and then get down to what the kids and her list is always a lot longer than mine because she's got a lot of things she puts on it. But my list is very straight to the point, kind of like my checklist, like my to-do list every day. But it gives me in the right I mindset love it. for that's the day. A great so that's one. what I do. And there's something about writing things down, uh, yeah. that getting it out of your head and getting it onto the mirror in this case. <laughs> it's pretty powerful, man. So what are you reading or listening to that you would recommend to our Abundant Leaders and why? You know what? Oh, that is crazy you asked me that. Okay, so um, I don't know if a lot of your readers out there are uh, know Jason Redman. Uh, he's an ex-Navy SEAL guy, but I have his book. It's called The Trident. Um, I'm about halfway through now. Um, I read a, about a chapter a night. I try to read a chapter a night. It's just basically a story about him with, he, you know, he, uh, you know, ex-Navy SEAL guy, all that stuff. So... It's different, you know what I mean. But like, I'm, and I've also got a, a marketing book I'm reading, and I got a whole. I read a lot of books. I, mean, I read a lot because I got. I'm trying to educate myself on different areas. I got another book in here too called uh, "For Those of You That Are Into Nonprofits." This guy's oh, fundraiser his name's Patrick Kirby. I know Patrick. So yeah, yeah, Patrick's a great guy. Um, I've also got this book here, "77 mm -hmm. More Ways to Get Customers," because I mean, you know, I run into, I, I an online store and all that stuff too. So I mean, I read, but the book that I'm really into right now is Jason's book because I'm trying to learn a little bit about his perspective on life and. He got injured over there, yada yada. So it's it's a good feeling book. But those are some great books to read if you're into the if you're in my world, not probably world. The, the one with the the one with Patrick Kirby's yes. amazing. That guy is an amazing dude. That dude is just a that dude is just a. I like to call him my happy go lucky self, but because he's always got the positive energy. He's just he's he's mm -hmm. like abundantly a positive. Like he's abundantly like almost annoying yeah. positive, but it's yeah. real. You can see that. But it but is. Thing it is about very it, real. It's real in him. Not something he's faking. Mm -hmm. It's not something he's faking just to sell. It, it's real about who he is. So it, it's very authentic. So uh, great book there if you're in a non, if you're thinking about getting in a nonprofit world. But um, but yeah. So there's a lot of books to read. I mean, hell, now I'm even interested in the book you showed me earlier when we started. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you want to read. It just might make you a better person, a better leader, a better businessman, or entrepreneur. Yeah. So there's a lot absolutely. Of and then on top of that, guys, out. on top of everything else, and there's more. But he's also got the podcast, Veterans Be Real. Uh, absolutely amazing podcast. I was uh, fortunate enough to be interviewed for that. That'll be coming out um, at some point, but just so much going on, man. I greatly, I just dig it. I love it. And thanks for those recommendations, by the way. Um, what do you feel holds most people for back sure. from all the people that you get a chance to talk to all the soldiers, business owners, so on and so forth. What do you think holds most people back from living their life of true abundance? I think it's fear that holds all of us back. And it's about overcoming that fear of failure, that fear of embarrassment, that fear of, you know, people looking at you the way you don't want to be looked at. I think the biggest thing for most people is fear. It was for me. That's the reason why it took me a little while to really start my own business because I was just like, I just need to go get a 95 where I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be, you know, I just go do a job and go home. I don't want to have those other responsibilities because I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of uh, looking bad in the eyes of my family or my, or my loved ones or my friends. So I think a lot of it is fear. Um, and I think that comes from our society because of the way our society drives things through television and movies and everything else, it makes you really apprehensive 
to take a risk in yourself and then risking mm-hmm. yourself. You got to take a risk on yourself. You know what I mean? You got to take that chance. And I think a lot of people are afraid. Uh, another great book to read out there, if you're a, a veteran struggling with PTSD or you're a veteran out there struggling with anything, depression, it's called Conversations with God. It's a, I read that book, what, five years ago, six years ago? And I, I still have it on my nightstand and I have highlighted chapters in there because it's not a religious book, guys, out there. So if you're, I'm not saying it's a religious book. It's not built religiously. It's just built, if you could have a conversation with God, what would you ask him and how would you get? And he talks about fear. And how fear is the main factor with human beings that kind of keeps us from being the full human being that we want to be, the full person we want to be, because fear is the most controlling thing in our lives, because whether we admit to it or not, it's the reason we don't go out and take chances and do things. It's the reason we don't go out and do those things, because there's some type of fear established inside you. So it's a great book to read. It's a three-part three book. I only read book one. As the other books start to get in a little, little, mm-hmm. you know, it goes down a different path. But book one, it changed my life because it also helped me deal with my depression. As it made me start answering to myself to go talk to the doctors and talk to the therapist so that I could get the treatment that I needed. And it also taught me to not be afraid to talk to the, let, let it out. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us that have PTSD, like me even, for years, almost, a de- almost 10 years, I would not tell my wife anything about what happened to me in combat, blah, blah, blah. I would never go into detail what happened because I didn't want her to look at me and see me as a man that she loved and married, but now see me as a different man because of what I had to do in combat or what happened to me in combat or what happened to us in combat. So I was afraid to tell her because I didn't want her to look at me like I wasn't the whole man that she fell in love with and married because you are different when you come back from combat. But the point is the fear I had inside me kept, but then I finally opened up to her and our life actually got better. I mean, it actually got better. It took a little while because she had to understand it and she had to absorb it and understand the things I had to do over there weren't because it was who I was. It was because the situation I was in, not right. who mm-hmm. I was per se. You know what I'm saying? Like in a firefight, you don't really worry about who you're shooting at. If they're shooting at you, you just wait till the end and figure it out. But with her understanding that she saw that in the, and I think the reason it helped me and her is because now she understands why I get angry and why I have those episodes mm-hmm. because now she understands it better. Because I talked to her about it, and I really opened up to her for the first time in 10 years, and we've been married for 10 years. So, uh, But I'll tell you, fear is, a, fear is a dangerous thing for all of us out there. So men, if you're out there listening, men and women out there listening, especially men, um, a lot of us have that fear too. In relationships, you're afraid to tell your wife that she's not pretty enough for you anymore, that you don't think she's pretty or whatever. The, but if you tell them those things, it gives them the opportunity to work towards things. And I'm just, that's a bad example maybe, but the point is, if you're afraid to talk and be honest, and that's the whole point of the memory we were talking mm-hmm. about, the, the whole me being blunt with my wife, that she's the only person, on a, probably the only person on the planet that I'm not always completely honest with because I'm afraid mm-hmm. I'm going to lose yeah. her if I'm too honest yeah. with her. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm afraid I'm going to lose her. And a lot of men out there are that same way. They're afraid if they're too honest with their wives, it's going to impact their relationship in a negative way because whatever. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, a porn addiction or it could be something crazy like that. But if you're afraid to talk to your wife about it, it's only impacting you badly now. And then it's only going to make it worse later. So I tell everybody out there is just don't be afraid to let and open up to the people you care about and love, because it's going to be the biggest impact on your life. If you don't, because eventually it all comes back to us. Unfortunately, eventually that it's a big ass circle in life and eventually it's yeah. going to come back and hit you in the head anyway. So 
just just figure a way out to talk to the people you love and care about and talk to them because absolutely i definitely 100 percent agree with that <laughs> it, i've been married coming coming up on 30 years and there's still things in my childhood growing up that i haven't expressed to my wife yet because i am definitely not the person i was back then but um most people wouldn't like yeah. me if um, they knew some of the, well, these are my close friends that are still, they know what I did. They know stuff we've been through. So it's not just the, those of you who are not veterans, not been in that situation, it related yeah, to any other part of your life. Yeah. And the fear thing, I'll yeah. tell you what, you know, I think I always like to use the analogy of jumping off the high dive. You get up on the high dive and you're just scared to, but once you make that first yeah. jump, then you're like, oh, man, I can do it again and again. Then I'm diving, and then I can do flips. Well, John had a fear in starting his business, and then he started a business, and now the guy's doing freaking triple lendings in business. He's got a coffee company, a spirits company, a nonprofit, podcast, and other things coming down the pike as well. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, it, it, honestly, once you get past yeah. the fear, it kind of can open up the floodgates for you because now – I'm not afraid of shit as far as business goes because now I know there's people like Wally out there I can reach out to. There's people, other people I can reach out to and say, hey, look, I need a little help. And they're there to help you. So because I because I took that chance and jumped out there. But if you don't take that chance, guys, if you don't listen, if you don't sit down and give yourself an honest evaluation of you and where you're at, because even like Wally just said, eventually he's got to have that conversation with his wife because his friends who know him back then are still his friends. So that tells you that it can, people can overcome those things. It's a matter of the fear he's having for her seeing him a different way. Same thing in business. You might be working a nine to five job at Walmart right now, but you want to be an entrepreneur and start your own whatever, you know, dog grooming business. So go do it. You can still work at Walmart and still try to set that up. And there's still, you know what I'm saying? There's still ways you can do it. You just got to honestly look at yourself and say, this is who I want to be. And this is where I want to be at. And I want to strive to get there. And then you got to take that chance and go. You got to get past that fear and go. And once you do that, man, I'm telling you, your eyes are going to open up to the world. You're going to see things a whole – I see things a whole lot different now mm -hmm. than I did 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like I see things – I know there's guys out there like Wally that will help me with my business issues or there's guys out there like Dr. Garcia. You know, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Garcia that will help me with marketing and all these other guys that I have now that will just help me and not expect anything other than to just be a friend with me and help me out. So it's value there. There's value in friendships. That's why being yeah, open and, and honest. A lot of lab labor trading too. I do a lot of that as well. Um, so favor for that favor. Too, yeah. Excellent stuff, man. Absolutely love it. We are going to have all of your links um, that I have available to me at this point linked up in the show notes. But before I let you go, John, what's, what do we, what do we not talk about that you want to ensure that our listeners get out of our conversation today? I think the biggest thing right now is the, the we talked about a little bit about the unity in your community because I'm I'm starting a big push down here about community cannot be cannot survive without unity. Um, look at each other and your neighbors. Um, don't value don't don't value people by the, the the way they look or the color of their skin or the religion that they follow. Look at them as neighbors. Look at them as people that are in your community that want to make your community stronger. They want to have a happy life too. Everybody wants to have a good life. Everybody wants that. I mean, in the end. So just reach out to your neighbors. Go say hi to your neighbors a little bit more frequently. Go, you know, go next door and knock on the door and say hi. I mean, just do something to get out and show people that they matter and you matter and we all matter together. So unify your, 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 your local neighborhood, your community, whatever you can do. Get out and get involved because I know with a pandemic right now, it's a little harder to do the kind of face-to-face -face stuff. Um, you know, we have enough issues. I'm having enough issues with this whole mask thing and all sort of stuff, but – uh, I understand the concept behind the mask, but I was a medic 
And I'm going to tell you right now, somebody who's got COVID and you're wearing one of those masks and they got COVID and they talk to you and they get it gets in that mask, guess what? It's going to absorb in the mask and you're going to be breathing into that mask. And guess what? You're going to catch it. Versus if they were talking to you and got out, there, there's a less likelihood that you got it from them talking to you and you didn't have the mask on it. If the mask is there and it spits on it, and now it's absorbed in the mask, and I'm breathing my mask air in all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's just me, though, as an old medic. You know I mean, I'm just telling you, even an N95 right. mask isn't going to save you from it. But I think more of it's just a, a symbolic thing. But the point is, get out in the community and make yourself aware. You know, even with Zoom calls like this with your friends and family, you should do a lot of Zoom calling right now. Keep your family strong. That's the biggest thing. Keep your family strong. Keep your family feeling loved and appreciated. And then your community. Yeah, I got to tell you, so my wife and I saying. both, real quick individually i've done a virtual happy hour if you will with friends from high school that i hadn't talked to in years on zoom and my wife just recently did it with her high school friends in panama now her high school friends in panama are all over the place so one's in canada one's in a couple in panama one's in europe you know and they all got on zoom and just had a great time the beautiful thing about zoom is they could be anywhere it's awesome man. one location on online and everybody's so brother excellent absolutely amazing conversation i love it i always like having these conversations with you go out live your life of abundance keep paying it forward in your community and beyond you're making a hell of a difference big time and i seriously greatly appreciate you for it you know well and anytime you need anything from me brother you know where i'm at so just reach out all right so your action step for today is to constantly be seeking more information always be striving to learn more in your field learn more about your family learn more about the people around you learn more about your community get out in your community and you will quickly discover needs that are missing in your community then don't get on social media and facebook and TikTok or whatever your flavor is, whatever your site is, don't get on there and just vent about it and talk about it and say, you know what I saw today and this, that, and the other. Do something about it. Pull people together. Don't try to do it yourself. When somebody stands up and takes leadership of a particular cause, and it's a good cause, other people will follow. Unfortunately, as we know, people will follow a poor cause as well. But Be the bigger person. Find something in your community that truly needs to be addressed and get out there and do something about it. It's the best thing that you can do for your community. It reflects who you are. It will help your family. It will help generations of your family. And it will help everybody else coming through your community at any given time. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and be sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.